Welcome back to Bacon Wire, an MSU sports podcast here on the MS on the Big Banter Podcasting Network. Uh, Carter, um, you know, we're recording this on the uh, one year anniversary of, of the shooting um, on campus at Michigan State. Um, I, I think we would be remiss as an MSU podcast um, to not, you know, take a moment, take a step back. Um, and just kind of reflect on, on this past year, you know, um, so often I think both, you know, if you're an alumni, I think your identity and your feelings about the school are kind of affected, are affected by the performance of the, of, of the teams you follow. Right. And I think it's important today to remember, you know, that it's for a lot of people like, and I said this last year, like their relationship to Michigan State is forever altered. And, you know, it it's definitely like reflecting today on just like the chaos, you know, having a family member on campus. It was just like, it was just, it was, it just felt, it felt different. And it was just like, you know, it happened to a place that I know so dearly that I love so dearly. Um, and you know, that, you know, the pain is kind of, um, you know, it, the scar tissue was kind of set in, but you know, it's something that I think that if, if you're a Spartan, you should never ever, um, go through February 13th as if it's another day. No, that day was was changed in Michigan State history uh, forever on that day, on that Monday night. Um, you know, when we lost the lives of Alexandria Werner and Brian Frazier and Ariel Anderson, I want to say their names just so we never, ever forget them. The thing that just, you know, Mich- that, that shooting, it, it just, you know, it broke my heart to see so many police cars and, and, and security tape and everything around these sidewalks that I walked every day, these classrooms that I was in weekly. It just, you know, seeing that on the news was so like terrifying and heartbreaking, but I had a thought in that moment cause I was working and I, I stayed late that night to help them cover that, that situation. And I said to two of my producers, I said, the thing that I love about this university and its community and its students is that I know that these students are going to be in the Harper's line on Friday. They are <laughs> going to still be the same, stu- you know, they won't be the same students they were, but they are going to be strong and they're not going to let this destroy them. And I think that in the last year, the Michigan State community has grown stronger. They have grown closer together. And that is just, that is what makes me so proud to be a Spartan was to just see the community come together, to see them, see the young students on campus demand change so passionately. It it really, I think, embodied what it means to be a Spartan, resilient, strong, brave, uh, willing to lend a shoulder to 
someone who may not be as strong. I think all those things were were exemplified in that moment and in the days after. We we saw the East Lansing community come together and we saw the nation really, you know, offer thoughts and prayers and support and love and it just felt it just felt it felt right when when we had to deal with you know when that when that tragedy it just felt right for the community to just come together and be strong and say this moment will not define us in the way that this you know shooter wanted it to we are going to be strong together yeah absolutely um you know i i couldn't have said it better myself literally so um you know just wanted to open open with that um you know take a moment kind of just remember that you know this this problem isn't solved it's you know it's still ongoing um it was michigan state on february 13th but it's going to be another university almost statistically um and until you know there's there's some kind of definitive answer on on what this is um it's just Unfortunately, Michigan State is just going to be a number on a spreadsheet of, of these tragedies. So that's why it's important we remember them. We continue to demand change, and we, um, you know, continue to support uh, those who are still affected. So um, I don't you know, know about you. It was really hard for me to consume any, you know, content like afterwards. Like I didn't even come on the the show you guys did after it happened because I was just like, this is still too raw. I haven't even watched like the the Izzo speech that he gave, you know, because I was like, this is just gonna it's just gonna be too too much for me. Like I can't, I still can't do it to this day. Yeah, it's it's definitely um, that was definitely one of the harder, I think, podcasts I've ever. One of the hardest things I've ever done was to just come on, um, and, and just try to talk through it with with Lucas. It was definitely um. It was definitely not um, easy. I will say that. Um, so, you know, just wanted to, you know, move on. Let's just move on from, you know, I don't, let's not move on from it, but, you know, let's, you know, let's keep the podcast moving forward. Um, and just, you know, keep in mind that the work's not done. The work um, will probably never be done, but it's important to keep working. Um, so let's, <laughs> rough transition. Um, the Super Bowl, um, the, uh, the Super Bowl, Lucas is rubbing his hands. He has a lot of, <laughs> he has a lot of divisional shit, shit talking to do. Um, but I, I just want to start with this, right? I just, I kind of want to, I just kind of want to open with this. I, I watched the Super Bowl at Emily's house. Uh, because she had sorority sisters that that were in town, and you know these group of sorority sisters historically could not give less of a fuck about football. Um, one of them lives in Illinois, so she's in town quite frequently. She was in town over New Year's, um, and the Cowboys game. She was like, "Can we go over Jared's to like watch the Cowboys game?" They were like, "No, they weren't feeling it." They were like, can we go to a bar? Like, I want to watch the Lions game. I want to watch the Lions game. And they were like, no. So 
they were playing Mario Party on the TV, and M had to watch the Lions Cowboys game on her phone, and they oh. were getting all pissy. They were getting all pissy at her because she was on her <laughs> phone. She was on her phone the whole time they were playing Mario Party because she was watching the Lions game. It's just like I've created. I've never been pr- one. I've never been proud of her. Prouder of her than I than I was in that moment when when she told me. Um, and two, I was my second thought was I created a monster. Well, Mario done. Party is one of those games where like one one game will take like a couple hours. You can watch a you can watch a football game in between your turn. That's funny. I know. Um, but I I bring this up to say that like they came over to watch the Super Bowl, and they were like locked in to what was for like. 50 of 70 minutes a a big 10 west game like they were locked in because of taylor swift so like a lot of people have talked about like the taylor swift effect like on like their girlfriends their daughters their siblings right like people who just like were apathetic or straight out hated watching football who were just now like know who now know who like fucking Kadarius tony is because of Taylor Swift. <laughs> like I I witnessed that firsthand and it was a cool it was cool. It was cool. I have to say that it was cool. I think it's great. Most watched most watched television event in history now. I think it's great because I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, I think it's great getting Swifties into football. I thought it was really funny. I think I think we've talked about this on the show before, but like it's so funny. It's like okay, Swifties. So football, you have four downs to try to get a first down. I think that's so great. I I love that. There, there it's weird. It's weird to me to see people be like, "Stop showing Taylor Swift on this on the screen." It's so annoying. It's like, dude, there were three ads for Timu. There was more airtime for <laughs> Timu than there was for Taylor Swift. Sir, another Timu ad has just hit the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, that's ridiculous. It's only a matter of time before the Swifties come up with an incredible metric related to football. They're they're going to study it. They're going to study it over the off season and create this insane metric that we're all going to be blown away from. I I can feel that happening. I wish Taylor Swift would have dated Kyle Pitts. They would have had Arthur Smith fired by week three. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> you know getting into the actual game uh like i said for <clears throat> 55 of the like 70 minutes it was a big 10 west game <laughs> like just like just like a poorly poorly executed football game uh apparently great, alabama's great yeah, apparently, like Alabama center, like was wearing Creed Humphrey's face as a mask, <laughs> <laughs> like low snaps, turnovers, like three and outs, just like head scratching play calling. It was just like it was not a good football game for like the majority of the football game. It was weird to see like Christian McCaffrey fumbling and like there were turnovers on both sides that were really confused. I feel like Isaiah Pacheco doesn't fumble that much either, but then he fumbled one, you know, it was, it was, yeah, no, it was, it, it was a very defensive 
oriented football game for a lot of that game. And, you know, for me, it's football and it's the Super Bowl. So it's the last game of the year. I'm always going to be locked in with no matter what me happens. Too. Like it could be a three nothing game. And it's like, well, I'm, you know, that's how it's determined. Super Bowl is determined that way. So I wasn't bothered by it, but, I, you know, people saying, oh, this is a boring Super Bowl. That's understandable. But thankfully, you know, the second half had some, some more flair to it than, than the first half. Probably was sparked by Usher's great performance. Yes, I think everyone was kind of uh, locked into to Usher Baby. Loved it. Had so much fun with that. Great halftime show. I Maybe. I had a moment of realization where it was like, oh shit! Like I am now in the target. I am now in the target demographic for the Super Bowl halftime show. <laughs> yeah, I felt like, like I felt like Matt Damon at the end of Saving Private Ryan, where I just like <laughs> where I just morph into an old man. <laughs> I think I said like Ludacris was going to come out like the split moment before he actually came out. And I just <laughs> cheered. I, uh, I lost my train of thought, but Oh, the, I thought the funniest part was the big hug he gave to Alicia keys. He, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. He was, uh, he was getting in there pretty good. <laughs> Hey, you know, do it on the biggest stage with 130 million people watching. You know? Yeah, he he killed it though. He did. Great. I think Steve Spagnola. He deserves another shot as a head coach. I don't think he wants one. Yeah, I mean, I think I think if the right opportunity came, but yeah, I mean, shit, you've got three rings in five years, and you were. I mean, that game wasn't close, but you're close enough to a fourth. And you're in the middle of a dynasty, like yeah, don't, don't, don't fix what's not broken. Um, but I'm just, man, Patrick Mahomes, he's inevitable. So I want to talk about Mahomes, but I want to get the over, I want to get the overtime discussion out of the way first. Yes. So, I. I've been having discussions about this with like with people online and it it I the over I under like I on one level I understand Shanahan's reasoning right like you want to be able to get the ball when it's sudden when it becomes sudden death but like it becomes sudden death in the second possession unless they get eight points out of that for unless the opposing team gets eight points. Right? So, right. like, the game's ending in the second possession. There's, a there's like, a very small disbursement of outcomes where, like, there's going to be a third possession in, in the overtime as it's currently constructed. It's much more likely that, you know, if you get seven points, the other team's going to have to score touchdowns. Everything is four down territory. You're going to stop them on fourth down. You're going to cause it. You're going to create a turnover by, by them trying to stretch it. If you get them behind the change, you're going to, you know, you're going to stop, you're going to stop them from getting the two point conversion, right? There's a lot more scenarios where like, where like the game ends on the, or the other team goes down, scores, gets the two points wins because you kicked the extra point or you kicked a field goal. Like what happened? 
I just really don't understand the the philosophy of taking the ball first and the way this overtime is constructed. Like if you have you're giving you're giving Patrick Mahomes a free path to a kill shot unless you score and get two points. I thought it was really irresponsible of so many of the 49ers players to come out and be like, I didn't know about the new overtime <laughs> rules. First off, those rules have been in place for like two years now. And second, mm-hmm. how do you not know the rules of the sport you play? Why would no one in that entire organization say, hey, the 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 overtime rules are different now in the NFL. They've changed since, since the Chiefs-Bills game. Like, how does no one know that? Now, no one in that organization was like, hey, both teams have a shot at the ball. We should probably go second in case the Chiefs don't score on their opening drive. We can go down and score a touchdown and win the game. Like, how, how does no not one person in that entire 49ers organization understand that? How, how funny would it have been if they scored a touchdown on the opening drive and then the whole team just, like, storms out in the field thinking they won the Super Bowl? And then they get a penalty for a sideline infraction. Just a and then the Chiefs just the Chiefs just roll down the field and tie the game. Yeah, I look. It, I am all for going getting the points when it's logical. And on the surface, yes, and that is logical that he kicked the field goal. But like, I don't think there's any other quarterback that I would kick the field goal that I would. Okay, let me rephrase that. If I'm on the sideline, I see Patrick Mahomes staring at my team. I'm going for the touchdown. Yes. I'm going for the seven points because then that puts the pressure on them to go the seven points because not even the seventh point's a guarantee. You know, you could miss an extra point like we saw. You could miss an extra point that could haunt you. That extra point came back monumentally in this game. And uh, thanks, Jake Moody, for blowing that. If the Niners won 17 13, I want to won 500 bucks. Um, bozo. But <laughs> it, it, it's, it, it, if I'm, okay, let me just phrase it this way. If, if I'm, if Dan Campbell was in that situation, I bet he's going for it on that fourth down. I would, I would feel better about myself if I didn't get that touchdown and then the Chiefs kick a field goal to win because I would have said, it's a Super Bowl. We're going for, the touchdown to get to put the pressure on them. I'm not, I just could not believe Kyle Shanahan said we kick the field goal. So we get the ball third. I'm like, what the fuck are you thinking, man? Cause you know what? Loser. In my head, I don't care about the new rules in my head. Touchdown. All I'm going for. That's part of understanding your opponent. Right. And you know, this is true probably for the vast majority of NFL franchises, but, but especially for Patrick Mahomes. If you give the ball to Patrick Mahomes with an opportunity to win the game, there are very few times where he's not going to win the fucking game. You may and, as well walk to the locker room. And if he and if they lose the game, it is not going to be because of Patrick Mahomes. It is mm-hmm. going to be because it is going to be because Kadarius Tony can't hold on to a football. It's going to be because the refs missed the most obvious pass interference of all time. It is going to be for factors other than you stopped Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be because Jawan Taylor couldn't stop an edge rusher. Right, exactly. Patrick Mahomes is not going to lose a game 
where there is a is not going to fuck up a game winning drive. Yeah. Did you just did you just feel like that was coming? Oh yeah. yeah. I, it yeah. was over. As soon as they kicked that field goal, it was over. You could see it. You you saw Kittle's face when they cut oh. back to him after the kickoff. He already knew <laughs> it was over. I mean, Kittle knew it was over. <laughs> If you freeze it right here, you can see the exact point his heart breaks. <laughs> yeah, like the, like Debo and Purdy, like like even that fourth and one, they're gonna get it. It's gonna be like a sneaker. It's gonna be like a jet sweep or something like the like the Rams did in this at the end of the Super Bowl of Cooper Cup. Like it's gonna be something like that. And then Mahomes gets like what ten yards, easy. Yeah, if I was on the Forty ers yeah, if I was on the Forty ers and I saw that Patrick Mahomes had an opportunity to go win a game in overtime. I would have already been at the blackjack table by the time they got to me. <laughs> <laughs> I would have, I would have already been, I would have already been splitting sevens. Like that's where, that's where Dre Greenlaw went when he saw that. He just, he just walked out of the locker room like with a boot on, just like, yep, I'm out. <laughs> I'm going to the like casino. Gra- yeah, Grandpa Simpson just. Ooh. <laughs> yep. Um uh, yeah, e- even that fourth and one, like I'm sitting there like I'm not nervous. Like I was you know, when it was fourth down, I'm like, oh shit, this is it. And I'm like, I don't think Andy Reid's gonna get punked on this fourth down here. I, I don't. And Steve Wilkes is a really good defensive coordinator. And I, that was a hell of a chess match. As was Spags versus Kyle Shanahan. Yeah, you mentioned you mentioned you mentioned Steve Spagnolo, but like he held Christian McCaffrey to under four yards per carry. Debo Oof. had what one catch? Yeah, yeah. Kittle had like Three. two catches for four Kittle yards. Had two and... catches for four yards, and Brandon Ayuk oh. had four catches. Spags just drew it up perfectly, and Trent McDuffie played a really good football game too. Yeah. That's a second year in the league, and he's already one of the best corners in football. I mean, okay, I picked the 49ers last week because I thought it would happen. I thought, okay, Kyle Shanahan, this is it. This is your redemption. You get to beat the team that beat you. What does he do? Man, I the think The same he, thing he's always done. He's a choker. He's a choker to his DNA, and I'm sorry, Carter. I'm not, I'm not going to bring You're right. You're right. I'm, I agree with you. He's a choker. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to bring it up. In that Super Bowl, if he just bled the clock a couple of minutes, they're world champions. And he admitted that he did not want to. I get did going he? aggressive, like, you know, because, like, prevent defense, you know, you lo- it prevents you from winning. But, like, you got you to gotta slow the game down against Tom Brady. You can't give him the ball back that much. And he made the and, same mistake against the current generation, Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, twice. The 49ers, what's amazing is it's like, man, they are potentially four to five plays from having like three Super Bowl titles. Like the drop against the Rams in the NFC title game, Jaquiski Tart drops a classic Matthew Stafford interception. <laughs> he drops it right between the numbers. The Rams go on. We know it's history. The Niners probably would have beaten the Bengals in that Super Bowl. But, or, you know, who knows? That's a potential what if. And then Jimmy G, if he hits a wide open Emmanuel Sanders, that's ball game. It's done. And 
the, the shockwave that like Purdy is never a 49er or at least is just riding the bench. And then you have this, like if you, if you three feet kept the Niners away from a Super Bowl title, or you could say a field goal, an extra point miss. It's just, if, if I were a Niners fan going through this, I would be crushed to have so many opportunities when in the, what, the late 80s, early 90s, you were a dynasty right up there with the Cowboys. You're, you're 30 years without a ring, and you have these loaded rosters, and you can't do it. It's your fourth NFC title game. You win it. You come back, and George Kittle said vengeance and all that. Two catches for four yards. Great job. Kosh Shanahan, sorry. Sorry. My sweet McVay still has the only title, <laughs> and that makes me feel good. I I have nothing I have nothing against Kyle Shanahan. I'm just like, damn, dude. The one time I believe in you, you just just piss all over yourself at the end. I'm like, you fucking did it again, man. You you beat the shit out of my team, but everyone else, you just kind of go, oh, oh no, I'm so scared. Uh, anyway, sorry. I'm I'm just uh, I'm annoyed that they I'm annoyed that they're probably going to come back the end. Oh. I don't know. They're in cap hell, so it's, they're going to be a different team next year. But we'll just here's keep talking the, about the Super Bowl. Yeah, here's the here's the thing. It, it's I saw this tweet. Um, the San Francisco 49ers have, you know, one of the best running backs in in football. Their first three drives coming out of halftime were pass, 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 punt, <laughs> run, pass, pass, punt, pass, run, pass, punt. And you had you picked off Mahomes literally within a minute of the court of the half starting. You had it right there to win the game. Like honestly, don't let Brock throw. Just let Christian and Debo handle it. That's what I would have tried. Would try that for a driver too. Like let these guys handle it. Like I but, said, I, I, I'm uh, pissed. I'm pissed they lost. Um, because Kyle Shanahan. Of I I saw this tweet too. I can't remember who it's from. But it's like Kirk Cousins' phone number is talking to Kyle Shanahan like the Green Goblin mask. <laughs> oh, buddy, his his thumb is hovering over his name. Yeah, he's gonna he's, he's gonna, gonna wake s- up. He's gonna wake <laughs> up in his room in Caesar's Palace like the Hangover, and he's gonna <laughs> John Lynch is gonna be there and Kirk Cousins, and there's gonna be a three year, sixty five million dollar contract <laughs> sign Kirk on the table. Kirk Cousins is is in the uh, the closet like the baby was. Yeah, fucking He's lying uh, on the ground with a pen in his hand and <laughs> a contract on the floor. Dude, Debo's on the roof. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> um, but no, like as much as Kyle Shanahan lost that game, Patrick Mahomes won this game. Like, um, oh, he took it know, from him. This is this has been said elsewhere, but like, like Patrick Mahomes. Like he is, he took the torch from Brady. Like he is at, he is in a rarefied air where he just, where Patrick Mahomes will just suck the oxygen out of a game and take it and relegate the legacies of his contemporaries. Like we're in the middle of greatness. Oh yeah. This is like, it's insane. Like this is like this is like Jordan to Kobe. 
it's it really is like it is it's insane and you know they're they're gonna you know the chiefs probably won't three p but like is anyone gonna bet against them nope oh it's it's crazy like it's just i mean christmas day they were nine and six they looked like they looked abysmal against the raiders and here we are two here we are a month and a half later un unbelievable like i just i remember watching that final drive and especially when he had that like 25 yard scramble to like put them at what the 20 ish yard line i'm like this is Im- this is the best quarterback I've ever seen. I, I I was just in awe, like, oh my God, he's going to do it. And I was happy, but I'm like, we're witnessing something that it's it's our I mean, we I was uh kind of young when Brady started, but like we've all seen the middle of like Brady's epic run. Um, you know, merchant of really good defenses, but it what Mahomes is doing, man, he's all he's already better than Manning. I'm I'm gonna put it out there. I think he's already better than Manning ever was. The the middle of um Mahomes' career is gonna be really interesting because you know I Travis Kelsey's probably at the end of his career, I would say. Um Andy Reid, you know, I how much longer Andy has left, who knows? Right? How much longer so, does Andy need? Right. Exactly. That's the other thing too, right? It's like he's got three. Um completely transformed his reputation. Right? He was Kyle Shanahan 15 years ago. Yep. Like he was like the epic choke artist who like didn't understand game situations and was like a brilliant offensive mind, but a dipshit when it came when it came to the important things. Like completely shed that reputation. Is like regarded as like one of the best coaches in modern football history. Like, and he's, he's like, what? I think he's in his seventies now. So it's like, how much longer does Andy or late sixties, how much longer does Andy have left? Right. Travis Kelsey, like is 35. And he's 65. Andy Reid is 65. Yep. Travis Kelsey's 34. He plays probably one of the toughest positions in football besides like one of the toughest positions on your body because you have to block like an old lineman and you have to run routes and expose yourself to getting just absolutely fucking nailed like a wide receiver. That takes a toll. And, you know, like you're dating like one of (laughs) you're dating like one of the most famous people on planet Earth. Ever. Like, I'm sorry. I've been to the Eras Tour. That is probably a lot more. The Eras Tour, I'm going to bet, is a lot more fun than two-a-days. Yeah. It's just like, I'm just saying. The Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey, like, tweets and memes or whatever that have come out are so funny. One of them was, like, Taylor Swift saying to Travis Kelsey, like, I'm thinking of naming my new album The Tortured Poet Society. What do you think? Travis Kelsey looking up from his bowl of kibble. You're so smart, babe. (laughs) 
Um, Travis Kelsey has a surprise for Taylor Swift. Belly. One quote tweets it and says, he's going to show her he can count to 10. Any any of the ones where she's rubbing his belly, I start laughing at. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> There was a great... Uh, this this was a TikTok posted by Taylor Swift. Um, they were at like the after party. They were at like a Vegas nightclub, <laughs> and it was Travis and her parents just like sitting at a table in like the the in like a crowded ass nightclub. <laughs> just like Travis and her dad's just like deleting beers. <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible. That is awesome. I love the meme of uh, Jason Kelsey like giving Taylor Swift a big bear hug, and then Ice Spice he just goes, "Nice to meet you." <laughs> like, how do you do, my lady? And it yeah. was just so fucking funny whenever they cut to them and Ice Spice is there. They're all celebrating. Ice Spice is just like this. No, what the hell's going on? <laughs> the the Jason like the clip of them walking out of the club and like you know they're all in like black and like looking stylish and then. Jason comes like stumbling out in like overalls and a, like a in a luchador mask is just is he's so awesome. Good. It's great. He's just having fun, man. I love it. You know, Nick, Nick Saban's joining College Game Day, and it's just like you know who I'd love on College Game Day, Jason Kelsey. Yeah, he's mm. rumored to join the the booth, the Fox booth. I think he'd be really good at it. Yeah. Oh, he'd be awesome. That I I just don't think that I don't think the booth lets your personality shine. Like it's perfect for someone yeah. like Brady because Brady doesn't have a personality. <laughs> like oh, I'm not looking forward to him. I think he's gonna suck. I I don't know. I think Brady like <sighs> Brady is like the level of greatness where like he's not gonna allow himself to suck. You know what I mean? Like mm. he's there's gonna be a learning curve. Yeah, well, like he's not gonna like he's not just gonna flat out suck. Like he is going to be good at it. There's going to be there's gonna be like a learning. There's gonna be an adjustment period, but he's gonna be good at it because he's okay. Tom Brady. Like he's never been bad at anything. Like be fifty percent Romo, and I think you've got a good barometer. Romo Romo's Romo bad. wouldn't shut up at the end of that game. Like he was yeah Romo blabbering. He blew Jim Nance's great call. Man, look, some of those calls are cheesy, but I'm like, I want to hear it. And you just start blowing, this is the Super Bowl, and you, he talks over him like, shut the fuck up, man. What would you know about the Super Bowl, Tony? What would you know? <laughs> Get what would you know? Div divisional round. Yeah. <laughs> you could speak on the divisional round, absolutely. You can speak on the wild card round. <laughs> you could speak is on it? losing in the final week to get knocked out of the playoffs, for sure. Oof. Um. Yeah, yeah. Just an amazing like Andy Reid. I mean, I think he's a top three coach ever. I, I top five. That's easily. tough. Easily top yeah. five. Yeah, I would. Up yeah, there. like he with, wins one with more Belichick. Yeah, with Belichick and Shula and Chuck Knoll and Be yeah, Belichick's not escaping the uh, wash the Tom Brady stuff, unfortunately. The well, resume there, though. Yeah, we'll yeah, see. Yeah, the resume. Yeah, um, I mean, you got to be good to win eight Super Bowls over your career as a coach. Like, you know, eight total Super Bowls. So. Uh, well, I think 
Okay, so we talked about the uh, the nightmare scenario if the Niners lose. I don't know if they're really going to go get the home run, but I think you're right that Shanahan's definitely going to send Kirk Cousins the you up text. Mm-hmm. He's going to try very hard, but like, what capital do they have to give Minnesota if they do like a sign and trade? Unless they don't have to give him anything, he's a free agent. Unless mm-hmm. unless Cousins literally says, "I'm going to walk and just go to San Francisco." Then you then you go, what are you gonna do with Brock Purdy? Because I bet he'd ask for a trade. Yeah, I don't I don't I don't know. It'd be interesting, right? I mean, yeah, like the thing about San Francisco is like they're tough, they seem to be they seem to be tough lot, right? Like they gave up three first round picks for fucking Trey Lance, <laughs> and like they barely missed a beat. And they were still able to go get McCaffrey. Right, exactly. They had enough capital left over to go get Christian McCaffrey after giving up three first-round picks. So it's like, and, and you know, the cap is fake, right? Like the NFL, yeah. the NFL salary cap is fake, so they can they can work their way around, convert some shit to signing bonuses, restructure, yada yada yada. I, yeah, they're about forty-nine, fifty million over right now. Yeah, that'll that can that can change. I I think. I hope it doesn't. What's interesting is Kirk Kirk wants a Kirk wants a long longer term deal, right? He wants like a four or five year deal. And I don't know if Minnesota or San Francisco or any franchise really is going to be willing to give that to him. No. Given that he's like 36 and coming off Achilles coming off Achilles surgery. The most he's going to get is three years. So it'll be interesting to see kind of where he lands. I think if he is going to like, if he is going to cave and sign a short term deal, I bet he would stay in Minnesota um, and just try to extend it. But, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens, happens from here, you know? Um, So speaking of Kirk cousins, Spartan dog, uh, MSU basketball, (laughs) Uh, this team continues Uh. to, this team continues to frustrate, surprise, um, meet expectations, however you want to phrase it. Uh, they beat number 10 Illinois by eight. And they were down six with four minutes left. Down six with four minutes left, and they won by eight. I think that was one of the most um, – that was definitely one of the most impressive post-Cassius wins of MSU basketball, I think. I, I, it's it up like there. A- felt like a tournament game it did because it basically was a tournament game yeah like you know a lot of a lot of bracketologists had msu on the bubble or out i think jerry palm had had him as first four out um oh that'd be brutal to see and and now i think barring like barring some kind of epic collapse at the end of the season here i think they're they're safely in the tournament yeah, we so, can't afford to drop the next two games. No, you have to sweep the week. You absolutely have to sweep this week. The thing about this game is that it was like everything we've been asking for this team to show us. This Except whole for Xavier season. Booker. That yeah. <laughs> I I I didn't I didn't watch the game. I watched it later. I was on the east side of the state and. I'm like looking at my phone. I check the box score later. I'm like, okay, how did Booker? Mm. Oh, <laughs> oh, 
Like, uh, you say you're going to try him out, and you don't fucking do it. Not at all. I get it was a close like game. Minutes again. It was a close game. Like, you couldn't really risk it. But, like, damn, dude, when is this going to happen? I hope we see him tomorrow night. If we don't see him tomorrow night, I think he's—I think it's already a certain he's gone at that point. He's—he wants to play, and if he's not playing here, then oh. you know, he's gonna be like, "Where am I gonna get to play?" He's gonna start to search for those sort of things. Um, but the thing is, is that we 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 wanted our senior leaders to finally step up and and carry this team to victory. Uh, when they went down 74, 72 to sixty-four with about six minutes or so i i along with probably both you guys thought well this game's over and the tournament is probably not in reach but then but then guess who leads them back to victory aj hogard and malik hall the two players we've been asking for this team to pick their heads up when this team is down and lead them to victory actually did it you know, Malik Hall was calling for the ball. He wanted it in that moment. He was bullying his way to the basket, drawing fouls, hitting clutch shots when he needed to. A.J. Hogard was doing the same. He hit that corner three. He was taking the ball to the rack. He was making good passes. He was playing defense. And, you know, Izzo said the same things. Like, I've been getting on A.J. Hogard for the past four years, and you see why. It's like, yeah, we've seen the moments where he can be this player who can lead Michigan State on a deep run. It just hasn't come consistently enough. And he said that. He said this team's not consistent enough. And finally, we got it in the biggest moment of the season where the season's probably not salvageable if you lose this game. No. This team realized that, picked it up, and took the moment. And I I didn't expect it to happen, but I was really, really happy it did. I I hope Izzo shows him that game or to, just beat it in his brain for that game saying, AJ, if you bring this every night, I'm telling you, you there's a chance to do something special in a couple weeks. Like, there's a chance. Do I think it's going to happen? No. We're, we're not consistent enough. If we, like, what if we went out, huh? Like, if we won out, and obviously that means beating Purdue, then you have me as a believer. It's not going to happen. Not even we're, like we said, we're not watching the Mackey game. We're gonna make plans. We're gonna we're gonna get it off our minds. But like, if we can string together like that win, and then these two wins, and then go from there, you know, maybe I, I only want to see them lose to Purdue. I mean, I don't want to, but like, that's got to be it. And if you get to thirteen and seven in the Big Ten, the way the standings are looking, the way Wisconsin is just pissing themselves. You might somehow one. back your ass into a Friday game. <laughs> you might back your way into a top four seed. <laughs> it blows my mind that we're that we're fifth. I'm like, holy shit, we have a chance at a double bye. Talent wise, they are better than most teams in the Big Ten. Mentality, that's a different story. I think we're I think we're the second best team in the Big Ten talent wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just it's a matter of execution, and and you know I think. Um, what I needed to see on Saturday, I saw. And that was Jay Nakins hit a three, gets called for the technical. <laughs> Just everyone agrees. It was dumb. He shouldn't have done that. They saw they saw Coleman Hawkins get called for that T. Coleman Hawkins should not have gotten called for that technical. What were the technicals? Bullshit. I missed that. 
Coleman Hawkins hit a three, turned around and started jawing to the guy sitting courtside, got a technical. And then Aikens hit a three, turned around, talked shit to Illinois' bench. And because they called the foul, the technical on Hawkins, they had to call the foul. There's a president. They had to call the foul on it. They had to call it on Aikens. Hmm. So, Izzo, Izzo almost went uh, Aaron Henry on Jaden Aikens. At yeah, that but you know what happened? Izzo runs up to Jaden Aikens, starts tearing into him. AJ is talking to him. AJ puts his hand on Izzo's chest and shoves him back. That's what you that's wanted to what, see. Okay. That's what you needed. Like, that's what, that's what you want to see, right? Is, is AJ Hoygaard take ownership, take leadership, and call off the dogs. I hope that was a catalyst. I, I really I really hope this was a catalyst moment. I really hope that was a catalyst for, turning for, point. for a turning point in this season in their in their mentality to get their shit together. And it's just nice that AJ's awoken right now or he's woken up right now. And Malik especially too. Cause we've dogged on him. You know, I call him a Seton Hall merchant, but like <laughs> I'm gonna drop that. I'm dropping it. Like I can't. I love this win. That impressed me. I'm I'm dropping that. I'm forever done with it. Thank you, Malik. But like, it's nice to have those guys come in the clutch because Tyson Walker's not going to be able to do it every night for us. You cannot ask him to do that. And that's what I liked is that AJ Malik stepped up and other guys stepped up. And Tyson could do his thing, but like it's not like you had to worry about him getting twenty five points. He'll get his regular, you know, big big scoring night, but he just right. needs help. He can't yeah. be the only one. He should he shouldn't have to do the only one with a team this loaded. Yeah. The the other thing that I saw and I was encouraged by was that they finally rode the hot hand at center. Jackson Kohler, I mean, he missed a couple bunnies, but he was he was like an offensive threat that they had to cover. <laughs> and it opened up opportunities for other guys. So they left Kohler in the game, and Cooper was doing the dirty work. He was playing good deep. He was playing decent defense. He was disrupting things on offense. And it it created opportunities and you know Madi sat for the majority of the second half it was he only came in when cooper got into foul trouble and kohler kohler still needed rest like that's what you need to see right and there's going to be nights where Madi's the hot hand where mm-hmm. you know he's not scoring a ton of points but he's rebounding really well and he's you know kind of like on tuesday like or um you know, there's going to be nights where Madi's like rebounding really well here down the stretch, and he's going to be left in the game, and that's not a bad thing. They just need to ride the hot hand at center because they don't have, they don't. Nick Ward's not walking through that door. Xavier Tillman's not walking through that door. Draymond Green's not walking through that door. Yeah, you just kind of have to. Yeah, you just kind of have to play who's playing the best that day, and I think Kohler definitely was on on Saturday. I think our next four games are Penn State tomorrow night, Michigan, mm-hmm. uh, who's getting worked hard against Illinois. They are getting smoked. Um, 
And then I think we play Iowa and then Ohio State and then it's Purdue, right? So, so. this these are our final s- seven games of the season. Tomorrow on the road at Penn State. Um, you know, Penn State's actually probably performing a little bit above expectations this season. Uh, but we beat their ass by 31 at Breslin. This this is a win. If the if this yeah. team is serious about their aspirations, they're gonna kick they, their ass tomorrow night. Yeah. They they fucking they put in the work. This isn't like a oh squeak out by the by the skin of your teeth. This is like no, this is Steven Izzo minutes. <laughs> Saturday against Saturday against Michigan. It's a rivalry game. They're gonna have Doug. Gonna get a Just little win. Just, Just win. win. Just win. Win by one. I don't fucking care. If you can I go, see a win at Chrysler. I want to see one. It's been five years. <laughs> if you can go. Tickets are fucking cheap. Go. Get your ass to Chrysler. Fucking take that shit over. Spartan Ryan is going to be handing out greed pom-poms at the game. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then, you know, they're home both games next week. Iowa and Ohio State, both incredibly winnable, both absolutely winnable games, especially at Breslin. Um. And, and then, then yeah. and then Mackie, home against Northwestern. Just fucking beat that motherfucker. Just beat mm-hmm. that. Just beat that jobless son of a bitch, please, please. Yeah. And then uh, ending on the road at Indiana, who is probably Sketchy. one of the most disappointing teams in college basketball this season, like relative to preseason expectations. Mm, couldn't relate. Not good. Not good. Yeah, I mean, we're neck and neck, but <laughs> can't relate. Yeah, uh, huh. nice to meet you, Pot. I'm Kettle, but <laughs> um, I I hope I hope we're six and one in this stretch. If we're six and one, then I mean, I'm not happy with how things have ended, but like it shows we, that this team is serious. If yeah, if they're we, if they're five and two or worse, then they're not a serious team. Like if we finish thirteen and seven after an zero and two start in the Big Ten, that's not bad. Could could have been much better, but like could have been much worse. Absolutely. And but man, I'm just nervous if we drop one of these two. Man, we might be on the we might be like bubble the rest of the way, unless we pull off the 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 un, unless we pull off a big one on March second. Yeah, that would be one that's. If we could somehow beat the beat that tall motherfucker, then that's the game where the analysts probably go, "These guys are in, they're in, yep. it's done, yep, we're a lock." But whatever, Mackie. When it's been what ten years? Yeah, it's been ten years this year since we won there. Oh God, that's gross. Yep, I was right, a young, so I was a young twenty-six-year-old. Yeah. So <laughs> this was a tweet. Um. So, Carter, this is actually your recommendation. Um, this is a tweet that was from uh, – let me get this pulled up here. This was a tweet that was from uh, Russell Carlton. Uh, it's about baseball. Um, it basically – from 1998 from 2003, uh, we saw Big Ryan uh, copy this for football. Um, we used the parameters – 
2000 to 2023. Construct your roster of, of Spartan football players. So we're splitting it in half. We have offense this week. We're doing defense next week. We kind of sprung it late on Lucas, so I don't know if you're ready or not, besides just top of your head picks. <laughs> I'll observe. Okay. Um, you know, I, I uh, so we'll, we'll, you have a week to do defense. So, you know, come, come ready next week for defense. Uh, so Carter and I, we went through, we picked a quarterback, a running back, three wide receivers, a tight end and an offensive line individually, an individual offensive line. So, uh, Lucas, you could be the judge. Uh, we want to know at the end who has the better team. <laughs> uh, Carter, you first. So the quarterback that I chose for single season Michigan State football, I went with 2014 Connor Cook. So a lot of people will say, you know, Connor Cook's best season was 2013. And that's fair because that was the year that we won the Rose Bowl. But remember, he didn't start that season. Uh, it was Andrew Maxwell at first for a couple of for a couple of games, but then they realized that you know uh, Connor Cook was was the best option. Uh, but then in 2014, he completed 58 percent of his passes for 3,214 yards, 24 touchdowns, and eight interceptions. Uh, Kobe was there. We went 11 and two, 11 and two, yeah, 11 and two, and won a New Year Six Bowl. So I think if you're if you're building a team and you're building it based on single season performances in Michigan state history from 2000 to 2023. I will apologize. You know, I started watching Michigan state football in 2010. So before then I, I, I don't have a ton, uh, but that is my quarterback. I have 2014 Connor cook. So my quarterback, I figured you were taking Connor cook. Mm -hmm. So I, I tried to go off the beaten path here and take some, and take some different receiver take some different names off the list just so our, just so it wasn't so samey, right? Uh, my quarterback, I took uh, 2011 Kirk Cousins. Great one. Uh, you know, Kirk's se senior year um, was, was by far his best year. Uh, completion percentage of 63.7%. Um, that's the most he's had as a full, that was the most, that was his highest as a full-time starter. Uh, 3,300 yards, 25 touchdowns, um, went to the Big Ten championship game. Unfortunately, um, that Russell Wilson-Wisconsin team was was incredible um, and just was not in the cards to win that. But, yeah, plus, you know, just the intangibles, right? Like, Kirk Cousins was such a leader and is still such a leader for, for, for Michigan State and for – and for the Vikings. So, you know, kind of taking that, I think I picked some, I picked some more out there personalities for some of my other skill position players. So I really needed a steadying hand. And as much as I love the legend that is Connor Cook, he is very much not a steadying hand in a, in a locker room. So uh, that's why I picked 2011 Kirk Cousins. Bit of a, bit of a firecracker Connor Cook was. Indeed. I don't know if you, I think you said you went different for running back for this one. I, you know, my, my choice is, is obvious. I went with 2021 Kenneth Walker, the third, uh, you know, 6.2 yards per carry, 1,636 rushing yards. He had 18 
touchdowns. You, when Kenneth Walker was getting the football in 2021, it was very rare that something good wasn't going to happen. Like whether that was a five to six yard gain or he was breaking it and scoring. It was really, it was just an out of body experience that entire season, just watching this dude tote the rock and be the complete focal point of an offense, but still be able to produce at such a high level. And that's why he turned into the NFL running back that he is today. Uh, just what he did in a single season will always, always, always be remembered in Michigan State football history. So my obvious choice was Kenneth Walker for my running back. Yeah, I knew you were going to pick Kenneth Walker. Um, so, you know, I I didn't pick Kenneth Walker. He would be the pick, obviously, <laughs> running away. But um, I, I went into the way back machine, and Lucas had to go, so he's not going to be able to give judgment here um, this week. But uh, I went in the way back machine. Uh, how about a Mr. Uh, TJ Duckett from the year 2001? Uh, nice. Taking it all the way back. Uh, his senior year, uh, 1,200 yards, 10 touchdowns. Um, just like when you think of like the old-fashioned running back, you know, it's TJ Duckett. Downhill, fuck your face up. Uh, just absolutely will destroy you uh, from the line of scrimmage in that first level. Um, so I, I knew you were going to pick Kenneth Walker. So I went with uh, 2001 TJ Duckett. I love it. I love it. <laughs> uh, yeah, who do I you have? Know, Lucas, like I had con 2014 Connor Cook at quarterback. Spartan uh -huh. Dog had uh, 2011 Kirk Cousins. Then I went with Kenneth Walker at running back. He went with uh, 2001 TJ Duckett. Oh man, this is uh, this is close. <laughs> I won the way back machine because I knew I kind of yeah. knew what Carter's picks were going to be. Yeah, so I I kind of I kind of went different. Who's your Who's your wide receiver one? Who do you got? My wide receiver one, and I think if you're a listener to Locked On, you'll you'll know who this pick is. Uh, my wide receiver one is 2015 Aaron Burbridge. Oh, I that's a good one. I don't have him, but team, that's good. With that team, if it was third down and Connor Cook's taking a snap from the shotgun. And you're looking, you know, we're struggling against Rutgers. We're struggling against Purdue. We're struggling against Central Michigan. Doesn't matter. Where is Connor Cook going with the football? He's going to number 15. He's going, or 16, excuse me. He's going to number 16, Aaron Burbridge, who had 85 catches for 1,258 yards and seven touchdowns that season. You know, over the years of, Mark D'Antonio of Connor Cook at quarterback. He had a couple really good receivers, but no one he had chemistry with, no one he connected with, no one who was more reliable in the big moment than Aaron Burbridge. I think if you see somebody carry a Michigan State offense more, I don't know, man. If you think of if if in the next, you know, for however long you watch Michigan State football and you see a wide receiver be like, oh, this wide receiver just bailed our offense out again your mind's going to go back to Aaron Burbridge and what he did in that 2015 season. I think just his reliability and his big playability that season, that makes him the first wide receiver I thought of. That's a great pick. So um, I, I, 
for the skill positions, I tried to stay away from those like elite teams, the 2015 team, the 2013 team, um, you know, the, the 2021 team. Um, my wide receiver one is 2017. Personally, my favorite Spartan, one of my favorite Spartans of all time, 2017 Felton Davis. III. Love that. Uh, you know, uh, this was by far his most productive season. He unfortunately got injured in his senior year in 2018. Uh, but 55 receptions, 776 yards, nine touchdowns. Um, and he was just, he's the, he was the prototypical, like big body outside receiver. You throw it up. It, it ain't, it's not a 50, 50 fall. If you're throwing it to Felton Davis was just always open an elite route runner. Um, and was just always ready to bust open a big play. So that's, you know, 2017 Felton Davis for me. One of my favorite, one of my favorite Spartans of all time. Absolutely. Because, you know, he was in school when I was in school at the same time. That 2017 team, you know, kind of meant a lot to me personally as a student, just because it was like kind of that bounce back from that, from that nightmare 2016 season, um, both on the field and with the Nasser stuff. Um, so that's why I picked 2017 Felton Davis. I love that. I love Felton Davis. And he was a lot of the same reason. He was a lot of the same things to Brian Lewerke and that Michigan State team that that uh, Aaron Burbridge was to his Michigan State team. You just throw that ball to Felton Davis and he's going to go make you a play. And it was really, really unfortunate to see his Michigan State career end the way it did. So my next wide receiver, I I went so chalk that like yeah I you know but I went with 2021 Jaden Reed. Uh, this was the wide receiver one in the offense that featured you know Kenneth Walker and a lot of the same things that I said about Kenneth Walker can be said about this Jaden Reed uh, season. Uh, he had 59 catches for 1,026 yards, 10 touchdowns, and it's like you said you know 50-50 balls aren't 50-50 with with Jaden Reed. There was a reason Peyton Thorne on fourth downs was throwing it up there to number one because at what, like six foot, like 190 pounds, he's coming down with jump balls. And he came down with a clutch one on fourth and four against Michigan. I think that's, you know, I think that's a, that's a Michigan game. That's a Michigan state football game. That's going to live in people's brains forever. And Jaden Reed made clutch plays in that game. He didn't score, but he made clutch plays in that game. He was so reliable for Michigan state that whole season. I mean, if it wasn't happening with Kenneth Walker that season, it was happening with Jaden Reed. Like he was making those plays. He was catching touchdowns. He was taking punts to the house. Didn't matter. He was just producing on that field and that speed, that route running. If you've got Aaron Burbridge on one side and you've got Connor cook throwing the ball, Kenneth Walker's running it. The play action with Jaden Reed's going to be ridiculous. So that's why I went with Jaden Reed as my second wide receiver. Great pick. Um, my second wide receiver um, again, I went back in the way back machine because I kind of figured what your picks were going to be. Um, another member of the 2001 team, uh, Charles Rogers, uh, RIP, um, just absolute lions legend. Um, you know, just nasty, nasty. His highlight tape from that 2001 season is up. I'll put it up against any highlight tape. Um, it, it's right up there with the with the Tavon Austin tape, you know, if you know, you know, um, his 2001 season, 1,470 yards. That is fucking insane. 1,470 yards, 
14 touchdowns. He had an, his average reception was 22 yards. Every time you threw Charles Rogers the ball, you were getting 22 yards. He's special. He is special. He was special. Um, yeah, that Charles Rogers, absolutely. Just what a guy. I was thinking when I was doing mine, I'm like, there's definitely somebody I'm forgetting. And if I was going that far back, like Charles Rogers would have been an obvious pick for me. But unfortunately, I didn't. I I didn't pick him. So that's that's a that's a mistake on my part. But I did choose some some good players. Now, um, R.I.P. Uh, my final wide receiver for this one, I went with the the first like Michigan State player I watched that I loved watching play. So I started watching Michigan State football in 2010, and the Michigan State football player I loved in that season, my final wide receiver is Keyshawn Martin. <laughs> I I am a huge Keyshawn Martin fan. He was so fun. He was electric. You know, I think there may be a little redundancy in my offense with Jaden Reed and him, but man, 66 catches, 777 yards, four touchdowns. He also was a good punt returner, too. He had uh, 274 return yards and a touchdown. Just electric, just such a playmaker, so dynamic. For him to be your third wide receiver and a special teams contributor, this was the guy that, like, I was like, wow, Michigan State football is fun when you when you put the ball in the hands of Keyshawn Martin. So that that was my guy, and that's my third wide receiver. Um, <laughs> um. So my third wide receiver, I was like, okay, Felton Davis, Charles Rogers, they're both outside guys, right? They're both guys you're going to put one-on-one out wide against the corners, and you're just going to go beat the guy, and I'll throw you the ball. So I needed a slack guy. I needed someone who was going to be able to do the dirty work, who's going to be able to kind of get into the middle of the field. Um, and again, I was thinking outside the box. Um, you know, not the best season, but you know, if we're putting together an all-star team based on both skill and potential skill, like ceiling, um, this guy absolutely on the list, 2022 Keon Coleman. Nice. Like having him in the slot (laughs) with Charles Rogers and Felton Davis, like, I'm sorry. Like, you're just, you're getting fucked. Like, you're fucked. And plus, like, you know, TJ Duckett, right? Like, he's not like a speed back. He's he deep. You could use him as Debo. You could send him in motion in the backfield, jets, jet sweeps. Um, <laughs> you know, you could line him up in the backfield and hand the ball off to him. Like the lines with Amon Ross St. Brown this last year, right? Like he he's so versatile. And again, another guy who's like 50-50 balls aren't 50-50 balls when you're throwing it up to him. That's awesome. I thought you might have gone with uh, 2007 Blair White. I did not. Um, oh, yeah, I love that. Keon Coleman in the slot. That's a mismatch nightmare. <laughs> All right. Now we're on to tight end. So, again, I feel like I went uh, pretty chalk with this. Uh, let me pull up the stats really quick. But this is one of the best Michigan State tight ends of all time. I went with 2015 Josiah Price. And that season he was, you know, the numbers don't jump off the page or anything, but he did have six touchdowns that season 
for for that Michigan State team, if if Aaron Burbridge wasn't making the big play that you needed to move the chains, it was Josiah Price at tight end. And I may be wrong with this, but I think he has the most tight end touchdowns in Michigan State history. He's got 21 of them. Uh, if they if Michigan State got down near the goal line and they weren't running the ball, they were throwing it to Josiah Price. So, you know, if if this Michigan State team's get again, if this Michigan State team's getting down inside the the red zone and Connor Cook is looking for a reliable target that he likes throwing to, he's throwing to Josiah Price. So that's why I took him at tight end. So, um. My tight end, I, I I had to I had to execute a little category fraud, a little positional fraud, because oh. I knew you were picking Josiah Price, <laughs> and I was like, okay, I need to be able to I need to be able to have a little flexibility. Um, now this guy's and he's the only skill player from a Big Ten championship team on my roster, on my offensive roster. Um, so I was like, okay, like. He's not listed as a tight end on the depth chart, but they did line him up in tight end. Uh, 2013, uh, Trevin Pendleton. Nice. You know, you could just kind of, one, he works because you could line him up in the backfield and, you know, you could run you could run the eye and just plow through a motherfucker's face with Trevin Pendleton hitting the hole before TJ Duckett. He's got sure hands. Um, you know, they didn't throw the ball to TJ Tucker a lot just because offenses didn't throw it to the running back out in space. But, you know, I, I think he was sure handed. You knew that he always, there was like three games a year, Michigan state won because Trevin Pendleton made an insane catch. Yeah. Uh, Trevin Pendleton. Um, I probably got too cute here. I probably should have went with 2021 Connor Hayward, but, um, yeah, that, that was my pick for tight end. I love that. Ironton, Ohio coaching legend. <laughs> um, All right, now, now we're getting into that nitty-gritty. We're getting into the offensive line. Yeah, so the O-line, um, I don't know about you. Um, except for left guard, I have the entire 2015 offensive line. Um, I have a few 2015 guys. Okay, so left tackle, I have 2015 Jack Conklin. I'm assuming same. you have the same. Same. Um, my left guard is my only deviation. Um, I picked twenty. I picked twenty thirteen Blake Treadwell. Wow. Okay. I picked twenty thirteen Travis Jackson. Okay. He's okay. the he was the proprietor of uh he did the Daniel Bryan. Yes. yes. You know, the crowd does that a lot. So yep. yeah, he was he was he was he was uh he was instrumental in Michigan State history. So I'm assuming at center we both have Jack Allen from twenty. I do. Okay. Um Right guard, I have Donovan Clark from 2015. I do too. He got drafted by the Chargers in like the seventh round, so I went with him. Yeah. And then at right tackle, um, again, I just went with 2015 Cody Keeler. That's fine. I went with 2011 Fofanoti. Oh. Oh. Yeah, you're opening the, the Polynesian pipeline. I am. I am. Hey, Jonathan Smith did it, so we should too. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, yeah, so, uh, Lucas left, uh, he had to do dad stuff, but, uh, let's just recap our rosters real quick here before, before we go. So, uh, my quarterback, I have 2011 Kirk Cousins, my running back, I have 2001 TJ Duckett, my wide receivers, I have 2017 Felton Davis, 2001 Charles Rogers, 2022 Keon Coleman, 
My tight end is 2013 Trevin Pendleton. My left tackle is 2015 Jack Conklin. My left guard is 2013 Blake Treadwell. My center is 2015 Jack Allen. My right guard is 2015 Donovan Clark. And my right tackle is 2015 Cody Keeler. Yep, and mine is quarterback 2014 Connor Cook. Running back, I have 2021 Kenneth Walker. 2015 wide receiver, I have Aaron Burbridge. And then my other wide receiver, I have 2021 Jaden Reed. And then finally, 2010 Keyshawn Martin, a wide receiver. My tight end is 2015 Josiah Price. And then, yep, my my offensive line doesn't deviate a ton from yours. Uh, 2015 Jack Conklin at left tackle. Left guard, I have 2013 Travis Jackson. Uh, center, I have 2015 Jack Allen. Right guard, I have 2015 Donovan Clark. And right tackle, I have 2011 Faux Finotti. Awesome. So Lucas will provide judgment on that next week. And uh, we can put a I'll, poll out too. I'm going to put a poll out as well. Um, so I'll just, yeah, I'll just send you like, I'll screenshot my picks that I. Perfect. I was going to, I was going to ask you to do that. Um, so that's what we got. That's all for this week. Bit of a long um, one. We haven't had a long one like this in a while. So we have not, we had a lot to talk about. So it yeah. was good. It was it's good. Fun. So uh, we'll be back next week. Um, we'll be back on Mondays next week just to kind of get everything in line. Um, until then, Carter, go green, go white.